0: So you guys, we are, like I said, we're coming to the end of the book of Romans, and we have been taking this deep dive into the whole truth of the gospel message, right? Because it's really what Romans is. Romans, Paul wrote Romans, and Paul wrote this like awesome treatise for the gospel. We have the gospel laid out by Jesus all throughout the gospels, right? The good news. But Paul does a great job of just laying this out over 16 whole chapters, this letter, just talking about what the gospel is. And I stole this outline, you guys, from Warren Wiersbe uh, that is a hopeful reminder to us of what the entirety of the book of Romans is. The reason I say I stole it is because you will never hear this awesome of alliteration from me, but Warren Wiersbe is well-known for alliteration. You guys know what alliteration is, right? Yeah, very, very skill that I have not achieved as a pastor. So here's how he breaks down the entire book of Romans. He says, we are all sinners. We saw and we see that we're all sinners, the Jews and the Gentiles alike. We're all sinners, you guys, and that's from Romans 1.18 to 3.20. Paul took us through our means of salvation. And that, Paul explains, man, we're justified. If you have accepted that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you guys, in God's eyes, remember, he's outside of time. He is, he is in all time, all the time, right? He's in every moment of every day, he's with you in the bathroom. He's with you when you're sleeping. He's with you when you're on the internet. He's with you everywhere all the time. But guess what? He's not just with you now. He's with you in heaven already. Get your head around that. You can't. But that's the truth, you guys. We are justified in his sight by the blood of Christ through the death and resurrection of Jesus alone. And that is explained, Paul explains that to us from Romans 3.21 to Romans 5.21 to the end of chapter five. And we also learn, you guys, that even though we're justified through the blood of Christ, that we're walking out this life being sanctified, another S, through the Holy Spirit. We grow in the Lord, you guys, as we submit our lives to him. And that's, a, that's the only part we have to play in it. We say, yep, God, my life is yours. Have at it, use it. Change me, sanctify me. And that is from Romans chapter six through Romans chapter eight. He talks all about this idea of sanctification. And then Paul also made it clear that God is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign, you guys. Many Jews have missed it with Jesus. They totally missed it with Jesus. You guys remember that section when he was talking about all that? He's like, look, the Jews, they missed it. But the reality is God always knows what's up. God is also all-knowing. He's omniscient. So he's outside of time, which means he's not inside of time. The only way you could ever be all-knowing is to be outside of time. You can't know everything if you don't know the future and the past and everything in between. So he's all-knowing. He knows what's up. This did not catch him off guard. He knew before Jesus, he, listen, he knew before he created everything that Jesus was going to be betrayed by the Jews and killed. He knew all that. He didn't stop and not choose the Jews because of it. No, he still chose the Jews through Abraham. God knows what's up, you guys. Nothing catches him off guard. He isn't freaked out. God still has a very real plan for his people, and it is currently being worked out. That's from Romans 9 through Romans 11. And the last thing we learn in this book is that as a member of the family of God, as being a part of his church, you guys, we are called to serve. You like that alliteration? Let's go through it one more time. Sinners, salvation, sanctified, sovereign, serve. You guys, our lives are for him. Our lives are to serve him and others. And then somewhere in there, we get to recline on our recliner for a few moments and rest to get up the next morning to serve him, serve others, to come back home. Get a few minutes on your recliner, to go back out the next day and serve Him and serve others. You get it? Yeah. That's the goal in our lives. That was from Romans chapter twelve, verse one, all the way through what we're reading today, Romans fifteen thirteen. After that is basically the closing uh, discussion that we're gonna we're gonna finish up on. But I hope this kind of helps help you helps you guys kind of see the pattern we are in and what we've been in for these last couple weeks and and what we've going to be in as we finish up this book. You guys, Paul has been hammering home this idea of serving. We've been looking at it week after week after week. It's interesting as I've been talking more and more about it, can I tell you guys, I've been catching a lot more flack from people <laughs> in our church because they're like, man, you used to teach about fun stuff. What's happening? <laughs> man. Listen, this isn't Just some topic that comes out of nowhere, you guys. Everything that we've been talking about, serving others, bearing with our weaker brothers, right? Doing all that stuff isn't just some topic that Paul's like, let me shift gears here. No. Do you recognize that it comes all the way back from Romans twelve? Romans twelve, one and two. Let's read it. These are my life verses probably some of yours too. I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, which is the only way you're ever gonna do anything, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or like we looked at that week. What's the Greek there? Logical worship. It's logical that you would do this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You guys, this whole section is launched on those two verses. This whole section, that's the decking that this entire section of scripture, the entire end of these last chapters has all been built on the decking of those two verses. That's it. So you guys, the reality is, it's the touch point that we keep going back to. And I need you to hear this. You will not do any of these things except by what? God's mercy. You can't do it in your power. Trust me, I try a lot, man. I find myself trying my best in my flesh to walk this stuff out, and I stink when I go that direction. I usually cause more problems when I go that direction. No, I don't cause more problems. I just cause problems. Let's just call it what it is. The truth is, man, we can't do anything by God's mercy except by God's mercy. And what are we called to do? Present our bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And it's our logical worship to do that. And we don't conform ourselves to the world, you guys. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we do that? The only place we will ever be transformed by the renewing of our mind is right here in his word. It's through his word that we're, our lives are transformed. We don't just stand up here legalistically and be like, be in the word, you guys. Be in the word every day. I don't talk to people and say like, man, where are you at in the word? What's going on with you in the word? Because I want to be some legalistic jerk face. I'm doing it because this is the word of God for us. It's his word. It's alive. We have the privilege of having this in multiple forms. You don't have to carry around this big tome. You don't have to do it like they did in the Old Testament and have like an entire bookshelf of scrolls that they would grab from. You don't have to do any of that, guys. You can have it on your little phone, the entire Bible. Like, man, God, help us. We need to take advantage of this, you guys. If we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, right here's where it's at. And I love that you guys are here on Sunday, but can I just encourage you guys? One week, once a week, isn't enough. It just isn't. I love that you guys are here. It's a blessing that you guys are here. I'm thankful that you're here. I would rather you be here than not be here. But if that's it for you guys, man, you're, I'll tell you this, go eat those beautiful and delicious strawberries and stuff that was brought today. If you haven't had one, go get one after. Eat one and then don't eat anything the rest of the week. Just don't. Come back to me next week, and I promise you, we will have a buffet. You will devour that buffet, won't you? You guys, don't do that with the Word of God. Eat. Eat every day. Chew on it. If you don't understand something, it's an awesome opportunity to humble yourself and be like, I don't get that part, and go to somebody else and be like, hey, can you help me explain that? And by the way, you don't have to come to me, because I might be like, yeah, I don't either. Let's talk about it. (laughs) right? It's an awesome opportunity to grow in the Lord and to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So keeping all this in mind, you guys, let's dig in. Verse one of chapter 15 says this, says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. So for every one of us here, I need you to hear this. If we are truly honest with ourselves, do you understand that if you're here today and that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're being truly honest with yourself, do you realize that there are times in, every, in some situations that you are the strong believer and that there are definitely times that you're the weak believer? Do you know that? Yeah. If you're here today and you're like, no, I'm always the strong one, oh, Lord, help you. But can I encourage you? I don't care if you've been a believer for two days. Do you realize that you're in situations even now that you're the strong believer? If you're surrounded by people that aren't believers, guess who the strongest believer in the room is? Mm-hmm. You. So we don't want to get cocky here. We don't want to just read this and be like, we've got to bear with these scruples of these weak human beings around us. Because sometimes you might be the one that they're bearing with. And I don't say that to anyone's shame. I, listen, I'm the same way. Here's the point I'm making, you guys. Knowing this about ourselves is healthy. It's good. Recognizing that there are people around you in this church body that are stronger believers than you are in certain areas of life. Recognizing in yourself, you guys, that you are stronger in some areas than other people around you are is a very healthy and good thing for everybody to have a hold of. It's a very healthy thing. Why? Because it allows us, you guys, to grow and become stronger. If you're the weaker believer, you will grow in strength if you're willing to recognize, man, I, I don't have it all figured out. I, let me go get some information. Let me go get some knowledge. Let me get some, you know, some love from somebody else. If you're the stronger believer, do you understand that it also allows you to be stronger? You know why? I can tell you this. Over 30 plus years of walking with the Lord, do you know what the Lord's taught me? That yes, there's times I'm the stronger believer, but there's also times that I come at it from a very weak perspective. Do you know how? Because I beat you down with a hammer verbally, or I do something that I walk away from and the Holy Spirit's like, I wanted you to say three words and you said 30. And so I grow. Because yes, I might have been stronger in that area, but I didn't handle it correctly and I need to grow in that. Does that make sense? So we all have an opportunity to grow in our strengths and we have an opportunity to be strengthened in our weaknesses, you guys. And no one here has arrived yet, nobody. There is no, Jesus Christ is not in the room. I I mean, he is, the Holy Spirit's here, but he's definitely not up here. And I don't see him sitting in the crowd yet. And that's a good thing. Because you know what it tells each one of us? Man, Lord, I need you more. God, I need you to work in my life more. Lord, I want you to use my life to work in other people's lives more. God, help me. I need you, Lord. Man, if that's a healthy place for a church to be, that's a healthy place for us to be, you guys. And so, yeah, I don't want to just read this verse that can be kind of very condescending, can't it be? If you think yourself always a strong believer, then you have to bear with all the garbage from all the weak people. Don't forget that you're weak in certain areas of your life too. And if you don't think you are, then man, you've got to deal with the fact that you're not Jesus. Can I say something else here? Bearing with the scruples or the weaknesses of another believer doesn't mean just tolerating them. That's not what he's saying here. It's actually not even what it means in the Greek. Do you know what it means? It means this, bearing up under. when someone's shot in a battle, you don't just stand there and be like, man, I can't believe you're bleeding out. I can kind of deal with that. I mean, I don't know why you're bleeding out. It's really horrible that you're bleeding out, but I'll tolerate it. I'll just let you bleed out. That's what this verse would mean, but it doesn't mean that. What's it mean? What does a good military member do? What are you taught? You're trained on multiple ways to carry another human being. Do you know why? Because you might find yourself in a situation where you need to carry another human being. And so you get up under them and you grab their arm. And if they can walk, they help you as much as they can. And you walk. And if they can't walk, you get two guys and you do a fireman's carry, or you get them on your back, or you do anything you can to help them and get them out of danger. That's what this means. Bear up under your weaker brother, your weaker sister, It flavors it differently, doesn't it? You bear with the scruples. You love them enough. It might mean, hey, let's, I mean, probably now's not the time because I know you just got shot. But when you're healed up, let's talk about what you did that got you shot. (laughs) Maybe you have some things to learn here. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And that might not be the moment. The moment might be, let's get you out of here. Come on. Listen, I'm so thankful, you guys. This verse has been lived out in my life in real, real tangible ways, you guys. I went on a porn binge a long, long time ago when I lived in Nebraska. A whole weekend, man, I was just a total idiot. And one of my best friends, a retired master sergeant guy named Gary, who had the struggles of his own, he called me three times. You guys, this is before texting existed. called me three times. I didn't answer the phone, right? Because I had caller ID because I was so ashamed, so utterly ashamed. I didn't go to church. I didn't do anything. I'm at the computer ready to go at it again, and I hear a knock at my door. And I was on base, mind you. So it was a good thing he's retired master sergeant because he had access to the base. I hear a knock at my door. This is an embarrassing story, you guys. But I hope it hits the point home. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't want to answer that door. And he's like, Jeremy, I know you're in there. <laughs> and so I came to the door, and I just started bawling. And he hugged me. He just hugged me. He's like, I love you, dude. He's like, come on, man. Let's get out of here. And I'm like, I can't do that. He's like, go get a shower, you disgusting pig. I'll wait for you. And we went out and got lunch, and he loved on me. And he's like, what can we do different? How can we change this? You guys, that's this verse. That's this verse lived out. I want to see that in our church. I want to see guys willing enough To know another guy well enough to know where they live first off and to be able to go there and be like, I'm not gonna let you keep going down this spiral. I wanna see women that love each other enough and know each other enough that they're willing to show up and be like, hey, don't hide. I know you and you're known. Don't keep doing this. You guys, that's bearing one another. That's bearing with one another's weaknesses. That's coming alongside things in a way that's healthy and good, you guys. That's bearing up underneath. You guys, we're called to hold each other up. It means loving people enough to care about them. It means loving people enough to speak truth into their lives, you guys. And if you think about it from a military perspective, speaking truth to someone that just got shot in the arm and telling them, man, you stuck your arm out there to get shot, that's not the time. But there is a time. There is a time. Why? Because you don't want to see your brother get shot in the arm again, right? There is a time to speak truth. How do you know when that time is? The Holy Spirit's got to lead you, man. You can't do it on your own. Because in the flesh, I'll tell you who I am. God's given me the gift of exhortation, but here's what exhortation looks like in the flesh. A beating. And I've been too guilty of that too often in my life already, and I don't want to continue to be guilty of that. I want to love people well enough to know that, no, let's get out of danger right now. Let's go have some lunch. Let's just go and talk and just chill out. We can talk later about this. You know? And then not neglect talking about it. There's... There's value here, you guys. Listen, Christian, if we take Romans 12, 1 and 2 seriously, if we aim for that type of life to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, to give up your own self and say, I'm yours, God, I'm a living sacrifice. Your life will look different. This church, you guys, will look different because we are going to be willing to say, you know what, I've got 70 things on my to-do list today. And yeah, my honey might be a little bit annoyed with me, but I really feel like the Lord is telling me that I need to go hunt down this brother, go knock on his door and, and let him know that I love him. Because I think he's in a bad headspace right now. I think he's in a bad place. It's that type of life, you guys, that I think has value in the kingdom of God. And I promise you, your honey-do list will still be there when you get back. Today's Father's Day, though. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, the day of no honey-do (laughs) list. But they're they're there tomorrow. You guys, what's the aim of our lives? We're aiming to build each other up. We're aiming to build each other up, you guys. That's the thing. The rest of this verse 1, it says, man not to please ourselves. We're not doing this to be like, oh, look how weak you are, you peasant. No, man, we're coming up under the person that we're in battle with, and we're getting them off the battlefield if they're in an unsafe place right now and being fired upon, and they've already been shot. Get them off the battlefield. Love them enough to say, look, I'm with you, man. I'm with you, and it could just as easily have been me laying there, and I hope and pray you would do the same for me. And I want to talk about this so we can both grow and understand how to go to battle in a better way the next time. How to not let these things win the battle against, against us in our lives. Right? You guys, we build each other up. I promise you, I believe this with all my heart, you guys. That life is not an easy life. I'm telling you. I'm I, listen, This is something I've committed to in my life. And I hope and pray you guys see that in my life. And I know many of you get to see it whenever I'm not walking that out and I'm in the flesh and I am sorry for that. I wish I could say that it never happens, but it does. But I will tell you this, I have aimed for this in my life. And I'm telling you, it's a harder life, but it is a fuller life. I wouldn't trade this life for the world because I have eternity waiting in front of me. Because I have a God that loves me so much, that bears with me in my scruples, that loves me. I have a church family that loves me. And so I'm like, man, let's do this again. Let's keep going. How often do you guys want to quit? Quitting's easy, walking it out is harder but way more fulfilling. Paul also tells us, man, we should be living to please others, right? Our neighbors. Why? Well, did I skip a verse? Where's that verse two? Okay, let's read verse two. (laughs) Verse two says this. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. You guys, Paul says that we live to please our, our neighbors, others, right? And why are we doing it? For his good, for the neighbor's good, not for you's, not for yours. Now, I need you to hear this. Paul is not telling us to be man pleasers. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not saying like, oh, you're, you're caught up in all sorts of sin. You do you. No, that's not what Paul's getting at at all. No, he's saying this. The truth is, is if you live that way, to be honest, Christian, you're not doing anything for your neighbor's good. You're letting them continue in sin. You're letting them walk out things that are not good for them, right? That's not for their good at all. What it means is this, man, don't think of yourself first. And like I said, a shining example of this would be this, you guys. If your neighbor, the weaker believer in this point, is walking in open sin, right? They're on meth and they're trying to get clean. And you see them stumble around in the yard because they're high as a kite, looking at them, being like, "Man, it's great to see you on Sunday." All right, yeah, okay, see you next week, and not saying, "Hey, what are you doing?" That's not loving anybody at all. It's not loving in the least, you guys. And the truth is, is that choosing to ignore it shows, to be honest, that you just don't really care about them. What else can it show? It shows that you're not willing to get uncomfortable and press into a relationship that goes past the weather. You guys, that's not what we're called to. Like I said earlier, this life is not an easier life. It's an uncomfortable life. It's saying things that, to be honest, a lot of times most of us would much rather not say. I'm thankful for brothers in my life, even this week, that said things that were uncomfortable that got things off their chest that I needed to hear. Was it easy? No. It's hard to hear that stuff. Was it good? Yes. It was good to hear. I'm glad for that, you guys. We've got to get uncomfortable with each other. We've got to press past the weather (laughs) or what the socks are doing or how bad the Patriots are going to suck this year. We gotta push past all this, you guys. If you're living your life and all you can talk about with your neighbor is the weather and all you really care about in in your life is making sure that you're comfortable and that they can just continue in whatever life you got, you're man-pleasing. You're by definition man-pleasing. You're pleasing yourself and you're pleasing your neighbor because they don't have to know anything. So the reality is, you guys, when we choose to engage with our family here in church when we choose to engage with fellow brothers and sisters in the lord when we choose to engage even with neighbors that don't know the lord yet enough to invite them to church enough to say man how's that working out for you dude i've got a great relationship my one neighbor i love him dearly man we talk all the time and it'll be like these kids ah uh, you know we'll talk and it's good conversation and i'll be like yeah i get it man i'm like man jesus really helped me out with that and, there he, and then he's like "Oh, <laughs> And he gets really awkward and crazy. And I'm like, I'll like push it one more step. And I'll be like, man, you should come to church sometime and see that we're a bunch of freaks too. And you should come join us, man. we got a bunch of families in our church. And I I push it that one step further. And yes, he gets extremely uncomfortable. And he's like, okay, man, see you later. But I won't stop doing it because I love him. Does that make sense? Because I love him. I genuinely love that guy. He's a great neighbor. I'd love to see him come to the Lord. We choose to engage, you guys. Why? Because doing it that way, talking about what the Lord has for you to speak into people's lives, being willing to get past the weather and actually know people, being willing to know people in this church body enough, you guys, that you can show up to their door and knock on it to have a crying person on the other end of the door to come and fall into your arms. You don't get there without actually getting uncomfortable. But that edifies the body. It builds up one another. And the truth is, you guys, we are great. Humanity is great. America is great at tearing down, isn't aren't we? I mean, seriously, it takes five seconds of looking around social media. Like, we're all about cancel culture, aren't we? I don't like what you said, I cancel you. <laughs> you disagree, you're a what? Fill in the blank. A liberal, a bigot, a conservative? I have no idea what word you're gonna throw in there, but it's all meant to be insulting. We're good at that, man. We shouldn't be good at that in church. And we are too often. You guys, let's build up. Let's edify. That's what we're called to do. It's the polar opposite of what the world outside is doing. You guys, Satan does enough of this already in our lives, doesn't he? We don't need extra people piling on. It's another little Holy Spirit, little info piece that I'm learning slowly is this. There are times... There are times in this walk with the Lord, you guys, and with being part of a church body that people come to you and they are broken. You don't need to tell them that they're broken. Yeah. They get it. They're coming to you with their pieces and they're like, I'm a freaking mess. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's seek the Lord that he can put you back together. Yeah. You don't need to go into a 20 minute tirade or treatise about who they are. They know who they are. God might use you in another person's life that says, I've got this figured out, to be like, no, no, you don't. Matter of fact, you've got 100 pieces laying behind you that you didn't even see. You're falling apart. Mm. That person might need to hear that. Do you get it? You guys, Satan does enough tearing down in our lives. Let's be used by God to build up, amen? Amen. But let's build up even, even in hard conversations, amen? <laughs> and those hard conversations, you guys, are are times and done in ways that allow the weaker brother to grow up. To give them room to grow up. And again, if we all recognize that we have areas of weakness, how would you want to be spoken to if you know you're weak in an area? Would you want to be told the three-point plan and then told to execute, or would you want someone to actually come alongside and be like, listen. I've got victory in this area, but there are plenty of that I don't. But in this area, can I, can I come alongside you? Can I, can I talk with you about this? Can I tell you what worked in my life? It might not work for you, but let, let's pray together. Let's figure this out together. Let's walk this out together. And never forget, you need the same thing because in some situations, you're the weaker person. So pray and ask God and look around this body to find that brother or sister in the Lord that you look at and you're like, dude, I think they've got this more figured out than I do. And go to them and be real and raw with them and say, man, I am weak here. I'm struggling with this. I, in my life, you guys, I look for those people that are able to give a word of encouragement and, and graciousness and in and, and, and mercy Because to be honest with you, I'm really good at hammering. I'm not great at at massaging. (laughs) And so I look at those people and I'm like, Lord, would you help? Would you like, can I grow in this? Will you help me to grow in this? Do you get it? Verse three, we're getting through 13 verses, y'all. Let's go. Verse three says, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Paul backs up all that he just said. He's just literally backed it up. You know why? Because he's like, here's Jesus, you guys. That's our perfect example. How did Jesus live his life? What did he do? Did he live for himself? No, he lived for others. He literally didn't have a home. He didn't have anything, y'all. I mean, he's God in flesh. He could have had everything, everything. He could have just came back, right? Thought every leader in the whole world out of existence and took over the whole world right then and there. That's what he could have done. He literally was capable of that. Do you understand? He's God in flesh. And yet he chose to come down and do what? Serve others and die for us. For others, He lived his entire life for others, you guys. What is our job, Christian, to be growing into a cleaner and clearer image of who Christ is in our lives through this walk of sanctification by submitting our lives to him and saying, Lord, transform my mind. Change me to look more like you, Jesus. That's the whole point. Can I just tell you Jesus had more reason. He had the most reason. Out of all of humanity, he was fully man and fully God. Out of every human on the earth, do you understand that he had every reason to come in with a hammer and just start hammering on everybody and their sin? I mean, let's think about this. What did he say to the Pharisees whenever they brought the lady before him? They said, man, he who has not sinned casts the first stone. So what could have Jesus said? He who has not sinned, cast a first stone. Whoo, he could have. He's literally the only one there that could have. But he didn't. He didn't. He gave her a hard word. He said, hey, go and sin no more. Don't keep doing it. Don't keep walking in it. Stop it. But he didn't condemn her. He's like, where are your, where are your accusers, mm-hmm. right? And he said, neither do I accuse you. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus came for the polar opposite of that. You guys, we are all screwed up and he was not screwed up at all. He is stronger than all of us combined and yet he used all of the strength that he had to build up those that were following him, to build them up. And I need you to hear this. He did all he could to build up who? Judas. (laughs) He built everybody up that came in his path. Did Jesus say hard words? He said harder words than anyone's ever said. If you're going to follow me, eat my body and drink my blood. And many were like, I don't know what to do with that, you freak. Guys, he said hard things. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody gets to the Father except through me. He's like, hey, you want to follow me? Give everything up because that's the point and follow me. And he was okay with people saying no. Even though we also read in God's word that it says, man, I wish that all would come to me. It breaks God's heart that people don't accept him, but he is not. He is in no need of us. Do you understand? He has no need in himself. And yet he chose to love us enough anyway to come down and do all these things. Are you guys getting your head around the picture of what Paul's getting at here? He's like, live that way, Christian. Walk this out. Love one another enough to bear one another up and deal with the weakness just like Jesus deals with your weakness every stinking day. And he doesn't beat us down, does he? He's gracious Do you understand that if Jesus put all of your sin before you, you would die? You would just die. I don't know if it would be literal, but I think you'd die of shame at least. I would. But no, what's he do? He's like, let's talk about this thing. Let's talk about this one thing. And then you gain some victory. He's like, okay, let's talk about the pride thing because you're getting a little prideful. And then you're like, oh, Lord, I humble myself. And he's like, okay, great. Let's talk about this next thing. And that's the rest of our lives. That's sanctification. Walking it out day by day. If you're waiting on that spot in your walk with the Lord that is comfortable and easy, you won't find it if you're actually seeking him because he's going to constantly grow you. He's going to be constantly knocking things off of you. He's going to be constantly getting at who you are, but he does it with grace and mercy and love. He doesn't do it by hammering you with a hammer. Paul also points out the importance of God's word in all of this, you guys. He quotes Psalm 69, 7. He tells us that God's word, you guys, this wasn't just a word that Paul was giving the Roman church at that time. This is a word for all of us. There's a reason it ended up as one of the 66 books in this Bible. You guys, I believe with all my heart and I need you to hear this today. If you're here today and you say you're a Christian and yet you struggle with the fact that the word of God is the word of God, then I don't know that you really understand who God is because God chose to write down things in his word and then God chose to use humans to write it and he also chose to use humans to figure out which books were actually the ones that were meant to be in the Bible that we have and which ones weren't. And if you've ever read any of those books that aren't, you know why they're not, because they're ridiculous. And yet so often people that are Christians that say, man, I know that who Jesus is, but I don't know about this thing right here, the word, because there's other books. They've never read those books because if they did, they would realize they're completely ridiculous. God's chosen the book that he wanted us to have in our hands. This is it. He breathed it out for us. It's alive. He actually wants us to get in it. He actually wants us to understand it. This isn't just something he was writing to the church in Rome. Paul wrote it for all of us. And so we need to get a hold of it, you guys. God's word is a lamp unto our feet. It's not some ancient tome that doesn't apply today. It's the polar opposite. It's living. It cuts through all our junk and reads our mail. Why do many Christians not read it? Because they like their junk. It's a big reason, you guys, why even in church, man, too many Christians don't spend time reading it. Psalm 69.7 says this, because for your sake, I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. That's talking about Jesus, you guys. That was written by David hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even on the earth. And yet here we read that. Jesus fulfilled this on the cross. He bore our shame. He became a reproach for us. Verse five. says, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and father of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul now essentially starts to pray for them, right? He's praying them for them. He's saying, man, like, God, only you can do this work. You're the only one, right? May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. Look, take a second, everybody in the room, look up at me, look around the room. You guys, this room is filled with people from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of families, all sorts of social circles. Thank God we're a healthy church, man. We got young and old alike. All sorts of financial levels. We have all sorts of variations and shades right here in this room, right now, you guys. The only way this group of freaks can come together and be of one mind (laughs) is from the Lord. We can't get there any other way. We really can't. What are we one-minded about? What are we like-minded about, you guys? We're one-minded And we're speaking with one mouth about what? The glory of God in Jesus Christ. That's what unifies us. That's the unifying factor, is Jesus. It doesn't matter what your background is. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter what you're currently doing. Jesus loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die thousands of years ago for you and for me. And he doesn't want you to get cleaned up before you come to him. He cleans you up. You come to him now. You come to him and you repent. You say, yes, I get it. I'm messed up. Jesus, I need you. I accept that you did all the work for me. I receive that into my heart. And maybe you're here today, and maybe your life looks drastically different than some of us, right? Maybe you were the one that was like, man, no, I I really didn't do any bad things. I wasn't in jail, or I didn't have a drug issue, and I don't have all these other things going on in my life. But the reality is, you guys, do you understand that we are all weak and feeble and incapable and in need of a savior? We are all there. We really are, and I don't care how much money you have. Money will burn. The stock market can crash. There's nothing that's going to keep you afloat if everything goes to crap. You can lose every amount of your security. If you find your security in Christ, you guys, you have everything you need. And then you get to be part of a body that's unified in one voice and says, yes, we are a bunch of messed up people and that's the unifying factor here. And we serve a very amazing God together. And that's beautiful. I want that for GBC. I want that for Great Bay, man. So stinking bad. And I'm seeing it, by the way. I am seeing it. But man, I don't know that we're ever gonna arrive. Not on this side of heaven. There's always work to be done. There's always more submitting to God to be done in our lives. Amen? Amen. Verse 7. It says, Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him. The Gentiles shall hope. You guys, Paul concludes all of this whole section of scripture that he's been digging at since chapter 12 by saying this, receive one another like Christ received you. Christ received you right where you were, in your weakness, in your mess, and he is in the process of cleaning you up and cleaning me up. We should receive others the same way. Guys, don't let doubtful things bring division. And there are a lot of doubtful things. I also want to encourage you, though, don't let things that God's word makes clear fly in the life of a fellow believer. Notice I said that, in the life of a fellow believer. If someone's out in the world living in sin, they're living in a way that they're trying to find some form of joy and happiness in. The same way we did. We didn't do it for me. I'm glad I didn't have Christians at that point in my life coming up and being like, you're a freaking loser. I can't believe you're smoking a bong. You idiot, what are you doing? Because at that point, I probably would have been like, man, shut your mouth. I don't care about you. No, instead I had people that were like, hey man, how's that working out for you? And people that, didn't even bring it up and just said, hey, you want to come to church? So that I could find some real joy and some real truth that I wasn't finding in all the garbage I was trying. But yeah, let's not let doubtful things get in the way. And in the specific context of Roman Romans, right? What was he talking about? Don't let meat get in the way of relationship here, right? If a meat's been sacrificed to idols and you feel a freedom to eat it, eat it. Don't eat it in front of somebody that has a problem with it. If somebody's got a problem with smoking cigarettes, which, by the way, is nowhere in Scripture, well, then, as a Christian brother and a a sister, don't do it in front of them. Now, I will tell you this, and I'll say this right from the pulpit. I smoked for years and years and years. You stink. Your breath smells. You're not doing any good for your health. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons to quit. But I'm not going to sit up here and use the Bible to hammer you on something that the Bible doesn't really talk about. That's between you and the Lord. You got to figure that out. Does that make sense? You're not doing your body any good and that is the temple of the Lord. So there's a lot of like good reasons to not do it. But I'm not going to divide with someone and be like get out of the church because you're smoking a cigarette. Give me a break. Do you understand? You guys, God loves us. Let's not divide over silly things. Let's love each other enough to call each other out in love, which means what? Get to know somebody enough. You don't know where they've been shot until you get up on them and look at them and examine them and be like, oh man, how can I help you? What's going on in your life? That's whenever you can help them. Going up to somebody that you think might be shot and being like, oh man, you're a loser. Why'd you do that, stupid? You're not doing any good for them. You're not helping them. But church, we are guilty of that a lot. A lot. Let's not be that way. Let's allow God's word, you guys, to guide and lead us to all be of one mind and one voice. Spurgeon said this about this section, about receiving. He said, Christ did not receive us because we were perfect, because he could see no fault in us. Ah, no, But I love that little bit. I could just imagine this person be like, ah, no. But in loving condescension, you guys know what that word means? Condescending is usually whenever we're like (laughs) looking down our nose. Do you understand that for God in perfection and in heaven, everything is condescension? (laughs) But he's not condescending. There's a difference. So he steps down out of heaven in loving condescension, covering our faults and seeking our good. He welcomed us to his heart. So in the same way and with the same purpose, let us receive one another. Man, you guys, if you hear nothing else, hear that. Spurgeon says it always better. Paul goes through four different Old Testament passages to point this out, you guys, that the Gentiles, the whole thing he was talking about earlier in this section, which is this, that the Jews entirely missed it, but the Gentiles, all of us here, if you're not a Jew here today, you're a Gentile, you don't get to be haughty and all thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, because guess what, God knew it was gonna happen and it was in his plan and he's sovereign over everything. And so no, this is not for us to get all haughty about. No, he uses four different Old Testament scriptures for you note takers. Here they are, we're not gonna go to them. Psalm 18, 49, Deuteronomy 32, 43, Psalm 117, 1 and Isaiah chapter 11, verse one. And then in chapter 10 or verse 10 as well. You guys, those four sections, and you would probably see that in your concordance if you look. That's where I pulled mine, right from my biblical concordance. You guys, he uses all these to say, listen, this has been God's plan since the beginning. Don't be so haughty. Recognize that he loves the Jews, and they are still his people, and he's still got a plan for them. But he also has a plan for us Gentiles, and I'm praising him for that. Amen? Mm -hmm. So let's read verse 13. He says this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul ends this section with a benedictory prayer, a benediction. You guys, a benediction is, if you've ever heard that term, it's kind of a high church word, right? Usually a lot of churches, they'll put out their hand, the the priest will, and they'll give a benediction over the church. And what it is is literally, and they should do that, right? It's not really a prayer that you pray to God. It's, It's a blessing that you're bestowing upon a church, upon a group of people. So it is a blessing. And that's what Paul's doing here to this Roman church. He's praying a blessing. He's putting a blessing on them. And he's saying, now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May the God of hope, the creator of everything, who is your hope, fill you with all joy and peace, but how? In believing, you guys. Believing in what? That Jesus died on the cross and rose again. There's got to be substance to these things. We are watching, my wife and I are watching this TV show called Manifest, which is really kind of stupid in a lot of ways, but we're too far into it. We got to finish it now. It's this plane that disappears for five years and comes back, right? And they have this Bible verse Romans from Romans, right, that like God works all things. Is it Romans? Yeah, Romans, Romans 8, 28. Yes, it is, I promise. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm like, if pastor's wrong about that one, pastor needs to go back to college or something. Ah, what the heck? No, Romans eight twenty-eight. God works all things together for good. That verse keeps coming up throughout all this. But it's totally used out of context, like all the time in the thing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And they're like, I've got faith. And I'm like, faith in what, moron? You got faith in nothing. (laughs) Like, I've got faith. Faith in what? What do you have faith in? We say that all the time. People say that all the time out in the world. I've got faith. Faith in what? There's got to be a what that you're putting your faith in. If you're putting your faith in nothing, you've got no faith. You guys, Paul's not saying anything stupid here. He's saying, man, may the God of hope, the only place we're ever gonna find hope because he's the only one that gave us hope through Jesus, may he fill you with all joy. Joy is bigger than happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy, man, there's something about joy, something deeper. All joy and peace in believing. You guys, in the worst weeks that you could ever have in this life, in the worst days that you can ever have in this life, if you're here today and you have accepted that Jesus died and rose again for you on, on, on the third day, listen, can I just, can I just give you a, something? Hold on to that peace. That's where your peace is. That's where your joy is. I was just talking to a brother today, like a couple of minutes ago. And he was talking about, man, the summer's getting away and it's just crazy how quick time flies and all this and that and, and all, you know, everything. And, and we've got people in this church right now that are stepping away for very good, healthy reasons. One of them got married, and they're moving to South Carolina and another one, man, they just, they live really far away. And so they're not able to just, they can't make it all the time. And so they're like, man, I got to find somewhere closer. And I, I get all that and it really hurts and it stinks. And it's not fun to walk through that stuff as a pastor. Cause you're like, not because I'm trying to build a brand or a kingdom. No, not at all. It's because you are my family and I love you. And so, man, it stinks. And I appreciate those people that have the guts enough to at least come and tell me because they love me and they, I love them. And I want to hear it. It's not easy to hear, but can I, just, can I just tell you that we were having this conversation about like, man, the summer's getting away and then we've got to leave again and all this stuff. And, and I was like, and God's just been pouring this joy and peace in this out to me as people have been leaving and as people have to leave and as people live their lives, is this, you guys. There's going to be a day, Christian, that we're in heaven and there is no distance from one another. We're not going to have to drive to get to the worship because it's going to be happening. And we're all going to be in the same church, and that is Jesus' church, standing before Jesus, our pastor. And he's going to love us enough to love us well. And we're going to love him so much and we're going to throw all of our crowns at him. And that is eternity. That is awesome. I can't wait for that. I'm ready for that. (sighs) Let that fill you up. Believe that it's going to be true in your life because you know Jesus. Hold on to that. And why do we do that? So that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Abound, you guys. Christian, you're justified by Christ's blood. You are justified in his sight. Walk in that freedom. Let him work on you to get you to a cleaner picture of what he already sees in heaven. Submit your lives to him. Let the Holy Spirit walk that out in you in sanctification. You guys, I pray that all of us get a hold of this hope that we submit our lives. Why? So that we can overflow. That's what abound means, abound, overflow. Like, let it just pour out of your pores. Let it come out of you that you're like, dude, I'm saved. A wreck, a wretch like me is saved. That's awesome. It's pouring out of me. I want to tell everybody about that. You but you don't know what I did. You don't know what I did. You want to compare notes? And then I'll be like, man, you are really a hot mess. But guess what? So was I. So am I. Jesus loves me anyway. Jesus loves you anyway. You guys, let's live our lives for this, man. Let's abound in the hope that we have in our lives. Let's abound in that hope for those that we see around us, those weaker brothers and sisters that we're like, man, you, wow. Right? And let's also recognize and abound in hope in the fact that we are still weak in many areas. And yet God is going to put people in your way and God is gonna use his word in this mighty and miraculous way to grow you up and grow me up. And that is awesome. And I stand on that hope even when it gets hard. So you guys, I'm gonna speak this benediction over us and I want you to get a hold of this. Listen to this. Will you guys just close your eyes and receive this? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, I praise your name. Lord, I thank you, Father, that we have an opportunity that you give us so many chances. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that we're never going to out sin your grace. But God, I'm also thankful, Father, that as we know you and as we walk in that grace, Lord, that we do find ourselves sinning less in certain areas. Lord, never sin free. Lord, but I'm so thankful, Father, for the things that you've worked out in my own life, Lord, for the things, Lord, that that we could all get up here and testify of, the things that you've removed from our lives, Lord, and those those things, Lord, that you're working on even now, God, I pray, Father, that we would walk in the joy of our salvation, God, that we would not forget or forsake this idea that you see us already in heaven at the feast with you, clean, clean. purified oh god god i'd be lying if i didn't tell you that i wish that was today would you just come back but god i pray the same prayer lord as paul lord i'm I'm thankful father for each day that you give us breath in our lungs because it's another day father to be about your will lord to be going out and to talking about who you are and spreading the good news of the gospel message to others to tell them that they don't have to keep looking and searching. Lord, that for every misfit out there that doesn't feel like they fit in, Lord God, that they can come join us. Lord, And there's a place here for them, Lord, that there is, Lord, you filled your church year after year, decade after decade, Lord, century after century. Father, you filled your church not with perfect people at all, Lord God, but Father, with flawed human beings that are serving a perfect God. Thank you for those that are here now. I pray for more. Pray, Lord, if there be anyone here today that doesn't know you, that they would want, Holy Spirit, that you would just show them the areas of their own lives, that they're just not finding any satisfaction or freedom. Lord, it's your job to bring people to you. It's our job to scatter seed. Lord, I'm praying if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, even if they think they do, pray, Father, that their relationship would begin today with you. God, I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we would desire to know you so much more intimately than we do. God, that when you knock on the door of our hearts, Lord, that we come running through that door as fast as we can and just fall into your arms. Lord, I pray that as a church body, Lord, that we would be men and women that are willing to do that one for another as well. Help us, God. Help us, Father. We need you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.